Shabbos, this week's parsha is Parsha's Vayera, and I'm going to ask three questions once again as usual and try to answer that with a yisod. The first question is, in this week's parsha, we have Avram being promised that his children, his zera, will be like the stars, like the kochavim. And the question is, is what's the significance of the stars? There's got to be some sort of significance to Hashem comparing his descendants to be like the stars. We know the stars can't be counted and there's all these nice things. You know, Avram may have tried to count the stars even. He couldn't count the stars. And just like that, you're not going to be able to count your children. They're going to be so numerous and so many. And that's a really nice idea, but in the end of the day, what's the connection to the stars? There's got to be some sort of significance to the stars itself. Question number two is, there's this repetition in Pasuk Zion, Pasuk Vav, Pasuk, um, Pasuk Hay of the Akedah. And over and over, the words come up, it's they walk together. And it was Avram and Yitzchak, they were going to the Akedah, and Yitzchak asked, where's the lamb? And there's like this gut-wrenching moment where obviously it comes to the realization that he's going to be the one sacrificed. And Yitzchak ends up kind of um, almost, I think, going away from his father in a certain sense. And he's like, what are you doing? You're my father. How could you do this? Um, and there's sort of this level of distancing that starts to happen. But nevertheless, the Torah tells us that they walk together. So what's this walking together? Why is that such a repetitive phrase over there in the Pesachim of the Akedah? I don't really care that they walk together. Let's just get to the storyline. You know, he put him on the altar. He was about to sacrifice him and he didn't sacrifice him. Great. End of story. What's the walking together? I don't really care from the point in which they were about to do the sacrifice and walked up to the altar. It It doesn't really interest me so much. Why is the Torah going into such detail there? The third question is, there are two randomly placed stories of Elisha Hanavi in our Haftorah. Our Haftorah mentions the story of Elisha Hanavi, and it mentions Elisha in regards to two stories in Parak Dalad of Malachim Beis. And the two stories are one with the Shunammite woman and another one with the wife of Avadya. The stories go as follows. The wife of Avadya, Avadya was a big prophet in the days of Izavel, who was really evil. She was from she was a Lebanese princess, and Ahaz married her for economic exchange and for other um, benefits in terms of economic growth. And this woman Izevel, who is non-Jewish, obviously, she ends up going completely off the, the rails, completely off the derech, off the rails, off everything basically, and she starts murdering um, all these Nevi'ei Hashem, and rather choosing Nevi'ei Baal to institute within society. So she basically goes and starts slaughtering all of these Nevi'im of Hashem. She's really an evil, evil human being. And so this other prophet, Avadya, he's more of a low-key prophet at the time, and he has some sort of deal within the government, whether he was some sort of minister there within Ahav's palace, and he somehow secures a certain amount of money he secures a ton of money for the Nevi'im and he takes all the Nevi'im to two separate caves. He splits them up and he takes care of all their needs, their food, their water, everything that they need to live. And he hides them away until this Izavel basically stops her manslaughter on the prophets. Now this guy Avadya, he ends up becoming completely broke. He dies penniless in debt because it's a massive debt that he took out for supporting these Nevi'im for years and years at a time. And due to that debt, his wife ends up obviously being impoverished. And she comes to Elisha Hanavi, who may have actually been one of the people that Avadi himself hid. And she 
basically says to him, she pleads with him and she says, listen, I, my husband died penniless doing Avodah Hashem, maybe the highest level of Avodah Hashem, saving you guys, his prophets. And this is how his wife and children should look. They should starve to death because they don't have enough money because he supported you guys. It doesn't make any sense. It's literally Tzadik Viralo. How could you allow this to happen? So Alicia says, you know what, you're right. And he provides her with a ton of oil. He says, close the door, fill up these jugs with oil, and a whole miracle happens, and she becomes extremely wealthy. And then we have one other random tangential story that the Navi also brings down in Malachim Bet, and also our Haftarah in uh, Parak Dalet. And that second story goes with this Shunammite woman who basically opens up her attic or some basement or something like that for Alicia Hanavi. She says, listen, it must be tough. You're traveling around, giving prophecies, uh, teaching Torah, all that good stuff. And so, you know, you should have like a little residence where you could rest. So here's this space in my attic and you could, whenever you want, you'll have your own set of dishes. We'll have cereal there for you. It won't be uncomfortable. You don't have to come to the kitchen. You don't have to go into our pantry. We'll have all the stuff that you need over there. Alicia is so grateful. He tries to find a way to thank the woman. He finds that he finds out that she doesn't have any children. So he says, I'm going to pray to Hashem. I'll make sure that you have a child. So that's what happens. She ends up having a child. Very similar to what happens in our parasha, obviously, with uh, Sarah giving birth to Yitzchak, not having children. Her husband's old. Same exact story over here with our Navi. And that child later ends up dying. And Alicia Navi goes and does resurrection. He does Tchias Hamesim on this child. Crazy stories. But that's basically the summation of our Haftorah. And the question I have on this Haftorah is pretty simple. What are those two stories doing in Malachim Bet? If you kind of look at the structure of Malachim Bet, it has a very structured story of the kings of Yisrael. If you want to find out about the kings of Yisrael, you look at Malachim Bet. It goes through a lot of the kings of Yisrael. It doesn't go through so much of the kings of Yehuda. And there's a lot of discussion there about Ahaz and Izevel. And it's almost like this totally random tangential story of these two women. What are these two women doing in the middle of Malachim Bet? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, and really, what are we supposed to take out of that story at all? So just to repeat the three questions, the first question was really simple. Why does Avraham get a promise that his children will be like the stars? What is the significance of the stars? Question number two is by the Akedah, Avraham is described as walking together with Yitzchak over and over again. There's this, this really emotional um, storyline and conflict that goes on between Yitzchak and his father and it just keeps saying that they keep walking together what's going on there with the walking together and question number three is what's going on with these two random stories in Elisha with Elisha and Avin what's the connection to our Parsha essentially with this Haftar the Haftar has to connect to our Parsha in some sort of way what's the connection really and what's the parallels between our Haftar and the Parsha and what can we learn from that so those three questions I believe could be answered with one basic Yisod that you sowed is comforting other people, making others less distressed and comforting them is an essential structural part of our everyday Judaism. It is something that can't be removed from us as Jews. It's such an internal component of us as Jews. And those three questions, I believe, could answer that. Number one, what's the significance of the stars? Why are we compared to the stars? So... 
everyone has different answers. You know, the Kliakar has this nice famous idea that we're compared to the stars because when we're great, we're like the stars. And we're also compared to the dust because when we're bad, we're like the dust. And when we're getting trampled on, we're like the dirt and all these different things. The question, though, is, is like, that doesn't really give me an answer. Like, why the stars specifically, though? I could say they'll be like the, I don't know, like the moon if they're really so great. There's something specific about the stars. And I think we could answer that with maybe the second Rashi and Bracious. And Rashi explains, when the moon was shrunk down, the moon was upset. It was sad in a certain sense. Obviously, this is an inanimate object, but it's a medrash. It's trying to teach us something. And it says that Hashem created the stars in order to comfort the moon. Crazy, crazy medrash. The entire makeup of thousands of hundreds of thousands of galaxies, hundreds of millions, infinite galaxies that are hundreds of light years, hundreds of millions of light years away, infinite galaxies are made in order to comfort this one floating tiny nothing rock floating and orbiting around a tiny little planet that literally barely exists in the entire universe as a whole. That is a crazy, crazy medrash if you really take thought of that. It's not like the Tanayim didn't know that there was a massive galaxy out there. When they said this medrash, they clearly meant something by it. The stars, the infinite eternal galaxies that don't need to help the moon in the slightest. They have nothing to do with the moon. They're so far out there. Nevertheless, come to comfort the moon. These objects that are extremely far away come closer to something that they have no need to be close to. And that's exactly what Avram does. Avram, in his moment of distress, when he's about to kill his son, has all the right to distance himself from his son. His son says, Aviv, my father. And he, he just, it's this extremely sad moment and realization of Yitzchak on the sacrifice. And nevertheless, Avram doesn't start talking about the weather or sports or whatever they talked about back then and small talk and try to you know, distance himself as much as he possibly can from Yitzchak, but rather he's there with him. He takes on the emotional distress of Yitzchak at that moment and doesn't distance himself from him. He takes it on with him and bears the brunt of the grief that Yitzchak is having at that moment, that realization he's about to be killed by his own father. The Torah there emphasizes Avraham was walking with Yitzchak at that moment. He was with him emotionally. He was there with him. He didn't have to be. He should have been at a distance. Any normal human being would distance themselves from anyone at that moment that they're about to kill them. His own son was about to be killed. He should have distanced himself, made him not like a father in a certain sense, but nevertheless, he was there with him all the way until the very end. And I think the two randomly placed stories of Elisha and the significance that it has as our Haftorah is exactly that. Elisha was like a star, basically. He was on a different level. This, he, was, he was galaxies away from the moon. He was on a different level, a different planet than these two lowly women. He had nothing to do with them. And there should have been no mention of them in Tanakh. It's not like these stories were anything completely exceptional to Elisha. Elisha performed many miracles. Why specifically are these miracles about like oil and this woman, these two women, these two random women in his attic? I mean, it's so randomly placed, but maybe it's there to teach us that someone who's so far removed 
from society in a certain sense, such as Alicia Hanavi, someone who's completely in a different world, nevertheless could interact with a different world lower than him. He could interact with a widow. He could interact with people of lower stature, the lowly people. And that interaction ends up being recorded as one of Alicia's greatest accomplishments. And that becomes our Haftorah. Because when we are Jews, we have to understand that an essential component of us as Jews is comforting others. And that's exactly who Elisha was. He was essentially Avram Avinu with Yitzchak. He was the stars for the moon. And that has to be us as Jews. An essential component of us as Jewish people is to comfort people's distress and to take away as much of their pain and grief and sorrow as we possibly can. And oftentimes we see that that's done like Avram by not avoiding that grief ourselves, not distancing ourselves, not being uncomfortable in those moments, but rather bearing it with those people. Have a great Shabbos.